Welcome to part two of our impact podcast on differential privacy. If you haven't listened to part one, I encourage you to do so. Today, we'll go deeper and learn more about both data, which can be made differentially private, or the models that are developed that run against that data. This is a topic that I know you'll be hearing a lot more about across the industry. And I think you'll find it quite interesting right now today. I'm John Pryor. Welcome to the Impact Podcast. Just recently, the Wall Street Journal published an article on differential privacy. Yep, you and I were talking about a tech topic in the Wall Street Journal. I guess we've crossed out of early adoption phase. Anyway, it was a pretty cool example. And it was focused on how data might be modified. So you've been unable to get to the answer to a specific question about a specific person when you had other data. Today, I've got Yevgeny Vallis with me. He's the director of Security First on Georgian's impact team. Now, Yevgeny, the work you've been doing with our portfolio companies steps you away from the data, correct? So the way to think about it is you're anonymizing the thing that actually matters, which is either the machine learning model or the statistics that you calculate. You're not anonymizing individual records. What you really want is the, is the statistics, the insights, you know, the analytics, the, the machine learning models. You don't actually almost ever want the raw data itself. You want the insights from the data. And so differential privacy helps you anonymize those insights. In our first podcast, we spoke about the trade-offs that you have to make between perfect accuracy and perfect privacy protection. If you could stay on that thought and take me through an example and try to cover both the, the point of view of modifying the data as well as modifying the model, that would be great. So let's think about different ways that you could protect data when you want to do analytics. Your database is a, is a traditional relational database. You have a bunch of columns representing fields, and you remove some of those columns that you don't need for your analytics. And we know that doesn't work. We know that you can cross-reference the remaining columns with other data sets and recover usually most of the data. So let's ask, like, let's go to, to an extreme. Let's say we set all the data to zeros. You know, data is bin binary in computers. It's zeros and ones. We just make sure everything is zeros. That clearly does protect privacy of the data, right? Nothing is left. What if we didn't have to set the data to all zeros? What if we could look at the, at the numeric representation of the data, which we need to do anyway to do any kind of analytics, because analytics works on numeric data, and add some noise to it. So tweak the data a little bit so that each record is not exactly the original record, or the way we combine them is not exactly by computing an average, but by computing an average plus some random noise or by training a logistic regression classifier and adding some noise to the parameters of the model. That noise, if you construct it carefully enough and with awareness of your objective, can both achieve the goal of hiding the data, effectively you know, kind of going towards this idea of setting everything to zero, while still preserving enough of the, the shape of the data so that you still get your your accuracy in prediction and classification and analytics. I'm quite fascinated by your use of the phrase shape of the data. And actually that's very helpful to me. Machine learning models are the result of all the data. So it makes sense that you're primarily focused on the model in the right context. And then you make sure that the data you're using is correct. Yes? So yeah, so yeah, so where we're going is where you really protect the models. You don't 
you don't protect the data. You want to train many different kinds of models on the data and you want to keep the data intact. But, but once you've trained the model, you know your use case, you know what you're trying to predict. You want to strip out everything else that's not required to produce your prediction. And because of the, com the complexity of the math underneath your prediction, you have to match that with the right complexity of anonymization. So if you think about it, the, the machine learning models are very complex. Using something as simple as removing fields from your data is too crude of a tool to accomplish the goal. You need, just like we go to great lengths to, and you know, build complex mathematical model algorithms to, to achieve good accuracy in analytics, we want to build complex, the goal is not complexity, obviously, but we want to be as complex as we have to be in protecting the data so that we don't remove the things that we need, but we remove everything else. Let's step back and build up to that model discussion. And I like to start with a simple view of kind of making data differentially private by adding noise. And I'm realizing this isn't something trivial. You've got to have a sense of what you've got and what your intent with the data is and more. Let's say all we care about is who has uh, more air miles, you know, John or Evgeny, who has more air miles on their frequent flyer account? We don't care how much each of us has. We just want to know who has more. So if I take the numbers and make some assumption about how far they are from each other. So I'll assume that whoever has more has at least double. And then I'll add some random number to each one. Like I'll, 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 you know, I'll generate a random number on my computer between, let's say, 0 and 100. I'll add to John's uh, number of uh, miles. And I'll generate another random number and add it to Evgeny's miles. Now, if, since I assume there's a certain gap between the, the, the two numbers and I've added randomness, I still preserve the order, but I can no longer recover the, the exact number. Now, this may not be differentially private, but that's the, that's the general idea. So what we do is we add, what I wanted to show you here is that I've considered the problem and I've looked at the assumptions I can make about the data, like there's a certain gap between the two numbers. And I've used that to limit how much noise I'm adding to the data. So I said, I'm going to choose a, a random number between zero and a hundred. I didn't say I'm going to choose a random number between zero and 10 billion. That would completely destroy all the information and probably even change the order. So in other words, you don't want the, the randomness to dominate the signal. You want to make sure that the noise is significantly smaller than the signal. In this case, the signal is who has more and the fact that one has two times more than the other. All right, good. Keep going. Now, how do we change the model versus the data? Yeah, so let's, let's take this uh, air miles example one step further. Let's say I figured out that everyone who is working remotely for Georgian partners has at least 100,000 air miles. And everyone who's working locally has a little bit less, so like 90,000 or so. And I, I now know that if I, if I need to tell you whether I'm just given the number of air miles that someone has, I need to tell you whether they're remote or local, I'll just check if it's above, let's say, 95,000 or below 95,000, right? How can I make this differentially private? Well, I know that there's a certain gap, again. I know that 
the remote people have 100,000, the local people have about 90,000. So I know there's a certain gap, and I know what my objective is to tell you, given the number of air miles, whether someone is remote or local. So I'll take this sharp threshold, which I've computed from the exact data, which is exactly the average between 90 and 100, 95,000. That's my classification threshold. If it's above 95, it's remote. If it's below 95, it's local. And I'm going to perturb it a little bit. So I'm going to choose some random number between, let's say, minus 1,000 and plus 1,000. I'm going to add it to this, this threshold of 95,000. So now my, my model has changed. My data hasn't changed. But my model in this case is very simple. It consists of a single number, which is the threshold that based on which I decide who's remote and who's local. And so by moving it around a little bit, I've made the model differentially private, but at the same time, I haven't moved it too much so that I can no longer use it for, for answering this question. In our prior podcast on differential privacy, we spoke about these bigger companies and you talked about Google and Apple. But before we start to go deeper, take me through your thoughts on why this isn't just for the big guns. So absolutely. And I even think that it's more important for, for growth stage companies and, and early stage startups to use differential privacy as a differentiator. The reason is that, you know, unlike Apple and Google and Facebook, growth stage companies can't afford to experience a massive loss of confidence because they're using a predictive product. Imagine you're building an AI agent and that agent reveals some information of, about your customers that is really, really sensitive. As a growth stage company, that's potentially either a significant hit to your reputation or even a business-ending event. Apple uses differential privacy as a differentiator and as a way to position itself as a leader on privacy. Growth stage companies can do the same, but it's more than that. I, I think that they have to use tools like differential privacy if they are building AI. Because if you're building AI without the right security measures in place, that's the first thing that's going to fail. And when it fails, because you haven't given any thought to security, it's going to be a catastrophic failure. Just to set this next section up, last weekend I walked past a guy wearing a t-shirt that said something like, I don't know, between the two of us, Bill Gates and I are worth $80 billion. Foolish me, I pointed it out to my wife and she didn't laugh. But, but for me, it kept me thinking more about the underlying data and how to extract individuals' information. I'd love for you to go further down into the protections of a model through differential privacy and the levels that can be had. When you build a, a predictive model, let's say it's a classifier, you know, many of the, of, uh, of the listeners will be familiar with logistic regression. It's, it's one of the most common uh, first things to try when you're trying to classify uh, your data as being type A or type B, right? Is the person going to buy or not going to buy? And so how do, how do I protect something like that? In machine learning, the way that logistic regression behaves is it creates essentially a, a line or a sheet between the two data sets, the data set that's where the, the class is a yes and the, and the data set that where the class is a no. It creates a, a kind of a, a way to split those two. And so that, that partition reveals a lot about the original data. Just, just as an example, if you only had two data points, one of type A and one of type B, 
that partition would be exactly in the middle between the two data points. And so if you know one of the data points, you know the other. It's, it's like your example of the t-shirt where with Bill Gates' net worth, right? If I, I know Bill Gates' net worth, and I know the average, then I know the other person's network. Right. Well, and I can let Bill Gates' is public knowledge, of course, right? That's public. Exactly. So that's exactly the, and it's a very simple case because you only have two data points. Now you may have millions or tens of millions of data points, but the idea is the same. There's something that tells you how to split these two types of data. And so what differential privacy does is to move that, that barrier from its original position, which is derived purely from the original data, to some slightly random location around that original point. Right? So if you think of it as a, as, a, as a wall somewhere between two data sets, that wall gets moved around back and forth a bit and maybe rotated a bit randomly. And so that prevents this type of data recovery, like what you would get in the, you know, in the Bill Gates case. Even if you know all the data except one point, and you want to figure out what's the type of that point, if the model has been tr protected through differential privacy, you can't do that. On the other hand, if we just had a logistic regression model, and we know every, all the data except a single record, we can easily recover that record, right? That's exactly the same as the Bill Gates case. Right. Right. And you need to be, if you're a business delivering these type of solutions, you need to give a level of comfort to all of your companies that you're aggregating data. And as you mentioned earlier, they might be competitors that they need a level of comfort that no matter what happens, everybody benefits from this aggregation of all the data, all the companies, all of your clients are benefiting from it and they're protected at the same time. So you, you're going to yield a stronger solution and have no issues in terms of communicating risks of breaches. Exactly. You, when, you, when you talk about the risks of aggregation, you just defer to the well-understood mathematics behind differential privacy. And by well-understood, I don't mean that the legal and compliance teams have to understand it completely. It's the researchers that are constantly trying to find flaws in various security techniques. That, are, that believe that differential privacy works. And so here you're essentially standing on the shoulders of giants and saying, I'm leveraging this technology that the best minds in the world believe to be secure. Thanks. I liked your reference to standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, during the development of the principles of security first, you focused on leveraging existing well-known technologies where appropriate and not inventing the wheel. And it's good to see you come back to this. So as we wrap this up, are there a couple of security first principles that you can highlight? Yeah, I would say there's, there's a few principles that are relevant, but we can look at three, which is creating new value through security and privacy. And number eight, which is designing systems to reduce the impact of a compromise. So if you think about creating new value through security and privacy, there's no, there's no better example I can think of than differential privacy you're enabling aggregation of data across data sets that you're not allowed or may not be, feel comfortable aggregating because you're using the right security controls. Uh, in this case, differential privacy. And that leads to potentially, you know, things like solving the cold start problem where you have a new customer that has no data and you want to use everyone else's data to help them out. It helps increase everyone's accuracy because you're, overall data set is much richer than any individual customers. 
you're getting all sorts of benefits and, and it's because you're doing the right things to protect the data. And then if we want to think about the impact of compromise, differential privacy is a good example as well. You know, we want to design our products in a way that if we do get hacked, the damage is limited. And so if you think about what happens if, if a product that uses machine learning gets hacked, the parameters of the trained models are leaked and revealed to the attacker. And so if those parameters contain sensitive information, that sensitive information has been disclosed and may trigger both a compliance level breach, so with notification obligations and compensation and losses, and just the fact that you've, you've hurt your customers. By using differential privacy, leaking the, the machine learning model parameters doesn't actually disclose any of the original data because we, it's probably impossible to reverse engineer these models back to the data. And so you've, you've reduced the impact of a breach in this case. With machine learning and artificial intelligence already changing the software game significantly, differential privacy looks to be one technology that will help improve the results a business can deliver to its customers with some confidence that we're protecting the most valuable asset of all, people's data. Thanks for listening. We'll be sure to bring you more on this topic. Check out our other pieces on Security First or our other thesis areas on our website, georgianpartners.com. For the Impact Podcast, I'm John Pryor. Thank you.